Welcome to This is Slalom, Going Beyond, the series where we discuss the ways in which Slalom partners with clients to go beyond expectations, the status quo, and perceived limitations in an effort to bring groundbreaking solutions and outcomes to life. Today, we'll be talking about a sensitive subject that could be triggering for some. The topic is how sexual assault collection kits can sometimes be mishandled as part of the legal process. Sadly, many of us would be shocked to learn that there are many places in the United States where there is a lack of defined processes and oversight as a way to ensure that evidence is gathered, logged, and preserved for use in the courtroom. Slalom's Public and Social Impact Industry Group is committed to bringing compelling and impactful solutions to our communities. Today, Mike McKinney from Slalom's Atlanta office is here to discuss one particular case where over 1,500 sexual assault kits were being held in a hospital storeroom and how Georgia's Criminal Justice Coordination Council and Slalom stepped in to help. Mike, welcome to Slalom on Air and thank you for being here today. Ah, thank you so much for having me, Kim. I'm really excited to be here. This is an important topic that's near and dear to my heart, so I'm looking forward to talking about it. Well, and thank you so much for that. Why don't we just start with a, a quick background? Can you tell us what is the Criminal Justice Coordination Council and what do they do? Yeah, sure. So the CJCC, it's a, it's an Atlanta-based state-run agency. Uh, their primary focus is really around victim services, making sure that victims of violent crimes are taken care of um, and they get you know, the, the compensation or the retribution that's due to them. Uh, moreover, I say one of the big areas they focus on is, is grants. So preparing, submitting, and managing grants. And those funds go to a, a variety of agencies across Georgia. Uh, some of the ones that people may be most um, you know, familiar with are sexual assault centers, domestic violence centers, and child advocacy groups, right? So uh, CJCC is really there to, to, to protect the people, to protect the community, and, and to be there to help folks um, get what they need and what they deserve. Wow. Well, obviously a, a very critical role in the community to begin with. So, as I mentioned in the beginning, we're honing in on slalom and the CJCC and their impact on the status of these misplaced kits. From that standpoint, and again, this is obviously a critical situation and it's it's very, very important, what was the catalyst? What was the pain point that caused slalom and the CJCC to get involved to begin with? Yeah, that's yeah, great question. So uh, there was a, a an article run in the Atlanta Journal Constitution a while back about a hospital that had um, about fifteen hundred sexual assault kits that were in storage rooms. They hadn't been processed. They hadn't moved along through the system. Uh, you know, there's a there's a specific process uh, that takes these kits all the way through to um, analysis, right, and then ultimately, hopefully, to prosecution. Um, and that was just. You know, that was the story that captured the hospital. But there were other areas across Georgia where these kits were being stuck, uh, right? Either the back of a patrol car or maybe mm. in a, an evidence locker somewhere, but they weren't moving. And these kits are directly tied to survivors. And these kits are a direct link to, you know, their prosecution and how they could potentially get, um, you know, the justice that they need. So, having these kits stale, um, you know, sitting there not moving, that's that's a really big issue. Um, so when that came to light, that's when the CJCC started working on legislation uh, to really figure out how do we, A, identify these kits, get them moved through the, through the process, mm -hmm. and then how do we put controls in place so that this doesn't happen again? 
Well, absolutely. How then did did the, all of these groups, Slalom, CJCC, other groups that were involved, how did they then create that accountability? What was done? Yeah, that, that's a lot of work, <laughs> you know, long and short <laughs> of it. So, um, so there are lots of agencies that we had to, to get involved with. Solemn engaged with CJCC out of the gate, really to start thinking through what is the process going to look like? How do, we, how do we put a process in place that's conducive for the entire state of Georgia to make sure we can steward these kits appropriately? So in working with you know, law enforcement and correctional facilities and universities and sane nurses and prosecutors and advocates, we pulled in people from across the state. We worked for several months to really lock down what that process looks like and understand how we're going to be able to trace this. Um, there was legislation that was put in place that said we need a system as well, right? We need something that's actually going to be able to physically allow us to track the, this this um, this very precious cargo. Um, so not only do we look at creating a system and putting a system in place uh, that was able to track the kits, but also labeling the kits with barcodes so we could actually have really high level of visibility and accountability to whose kid is where and in what stage of the process, and then making sure that we have the laws in place that require those folks who touch the kits, so all of these agencies who handle them in any way, shape, or form, had to use the system, had to adhere to the process, right? Uh, and then I think the ultimate level of accountability, outside of just saying <laughs> you're legally obligated to use the system, uh, is on an annual basis, the CJCC was also required to submit a report to the office of the governor that said, hey, this is the volume of kits that went through this year. These are the agencies that touched those kits. And by the way, if there were agencies that were non-compliant to our processes, to our expectations, those were basically cast out in the open, right? A light was shown on them. So no one wants to be called, you know, called out from the governor's office. I think that that with the, you know, functionality built into the system, just really, really just cranked the accountability from pretty much almost, I won't say zero, but pretty low to, to a very, very high number, right? Um, accountability wow. became paramount. Right. Wow. Well, and it sounds, as I listen to you describe that, like you said, the, the system and processes in place, but I love the idea of the actual, the tracking with barcodes. So you could see where it was going. I can only imagine what that did for the victims as well to know what was the status of their kit as they were proceeding through their own legal process, whatever that may be. So you just described at a high level, I recognize, but you just described a pretty compelling impact that this initiative has had on that entire process um, of the sexual assault kits and what is happening with them. When you think about your experience on this project, what element of that most exemplifies going beyond? What was done that fundamentally changed how these are processed forevermore for the future? Empowering the survivor, I think, was the biggest thing. Not only does the agency um, staffs, you know, have have the ability now to keep up and track and know where things are. The survivors do. As part of this solution, we made sure that we provided an outlet, right, a, a way for the survivors to get into the system, to key in the specific kit number that that ties to their specific event, and to understand where it is in the process, right? Uh, where is it sitting? Has it been uh, gone through analysis? Is it handed over to prosecution? Is it sitting at a at a police department? They can track it. They can ask questions to their advocate. They can. They actually now have a voice where they otherwise were voiceless. It was a, it was a process that they went through an exam 
And then it was quiet and they knew nothing from that point on. And now the doors are open, right? Their eyes are open. They're able to see, uh, they're able to actually step up and, and, and participate as needed to make sure that their future is shaped the way they need it to be shaped. Wow. Talk about going beyond. And that's exactly what this series is about. What do you see next on the horizon? You know, when I think about Georgia, I think right now the focus is A, making sure we get the adoption we need across all the agencies. We're pretty much there, but there's a few, you know, we need to make sure we're on on board. Um, I think the bigger watch out and, you know, the bigger answer to your question is really looking across the nation. Georgia's one state uh, of many, many states that are dealing with this issue, right? Um, I know we've done some work in a couple states already, but I've gotten some calls. I know our public sector uh, team has gotten calls for help, for folks wondering, what have we done in Georgia? What stance did we take? Uh, you know, what system did you guys put in place? What did you use? You know, how is it working? All these good questions. And, you know, we've been through this now. We've got the experience. Uh, we've got a process that works. So what I think we need to be doing is let's start getting some coalitions together, right? Let's start talking to some folks and let's start trying to figure out how do we make this a reality for survivors coast to coast? How do we empower our survivors within the United States, not just within Georgia's borders? Um, We can 100% do this. We just need to ask the right questions, get the right people involved and make it happen. Let's do the right thing. I love that. And it's a fantastic way to end our story for today. Mike, thank you for not only sharing your story with us, but for having done the work to begin with. Slalom has really gone beyond with this work effort here today. So thank you, Mike. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This has been great. Thank you for the outlet. And, uh, and again, Kim, always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. listening to slalom on air tune in to hear more by following us on your preferred podcast listening app new stories will be coming regularly and if you're interested in joining slalom check us out at slalom.com slash careers